Hello. Hi. And, and welcome back to the Voice First Roundtable Season 2. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. And with the Voice First Roundtable, this is our half hour one-on-one -on -one inter interview show. It gives us an opportunity to meet a lot of interesting people doing interesting work and just simply talk to them for a bit about what they're doing. I am joined for this season two, episode five, by Micah Hunaveha. Am I pronouncing that right? That is perfect. Well done. <laughs> With so little practice. We are. Hey, I'm born and raised in the South. It takes me a long time to do things. And in that case, it's amazing that that was even possible. Micah, thank you for joining us. Tell us who you are. Tell us what you do. Well, as you beautifully announced already, my name is Maaike Groenewegen. I'm a conversation designer and a platform specialist from the Netherlands in Europe. Uh, and in my daily work, I just um, do everything that's kind of concerned with chatbot voice. Um, I, I just started my own company, so I'm still kind of looking for what my niche will be and where I can add the most value. But voice is uh, something that has interested me for a long time already. Um, I, I trained originally as a linguist. I'm a phonologist and a phonetician. Uh, but back when I graduated, there wasn't really a lot of work to be done then. Um, that was in the 2000s. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> a bit older here already. Uh, so uh, back then there was the, the big internet bubble that just burst. So there was a lot of people who were unemployed. And uh, instead, I decided to go and work for a small software company. So like everybody else, I started on the uh, customer, customer support desk, answering questions in, I think it was 2000. So there must have been Windows 95, I think. So answering questions like, yeah, yeah, I want to click on the picture that it works, you know? And I thought, oh, yeah, sure. You mean a desktop shortcut? So I really learned to recognize all these user questions and all the wonderful ways in, you, in which you could ask them. And uh, from that, I kind of rolled into technical writing, which is my original profession. And uh, I did that for about 20 years. And most of my time I spent writing for Dutch air traffic control. So I worked my way up to bigger and more complex organizations. And I, um, I ended up actually writing procedures, uh, system descriptions, system support, any kind of user support for air traffic controllers and had a wonderful time there. Um, and after 14 years, I thought, well, it's time for a change. Did a bit of uh, software um, information analysis, business analysis, until in 2019, I went to a chatbot conference. And there the world just changed for me because, I mean, I, I saw linguists. I hadn't seen a linguist for like the last 20 years. And now I understand because they were all there in that community. So I was really happy uh, to find, you know, fellow linguists uh, talking about stuff like NLP, intent recognition, stuff like that. Uh, it's all about content, user support, um, user interfaces. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is my posse. This is my tribe. And I want to go full time for that, that kind of topic. And that's how I kind of made my way into conversation design and voice UX. Wow. That's a great, yeah, excellent. Thank you for sort of taking us uh, down memory lane there. Um, yeah, that, uh, it's amazing 
how folks who have like yourself, there's a lot of stories like that where people who have accumulated different experience, whether it's, it's, it's strictly being a linguist or whether it's in technical writing, that's another one, or whether it's other sort of aspects of, um, you know, classical arts um, have come back into the forefront uh, with voice and with the rise of voice. It's really remarkable. Thank you for being part of the show with us. Uh, I'm going to start by asking you about what's every what's on everybody's mind, and that is the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, I wish it weren't on my mind, but it is. We're getting ready to announce uh, later today a, a change in a event that we were scheduled to do next month uh, that was going to be in person and now won't be anymore. And um, it just feels like, you know, you described how your world changed uh, when you went to that chatbot event uh, and your eyes were open. It feels like our world, all of our worlds have changed. Um, every single day that goes by is some sort of seminal event uh, that, that uh, is, makes it feel like it's a week and a day right now almost. We, uh, as you wrote, Leading up to this uh, podcast, uh, you know, as we talked about in This Week in Voice last week, Google has made some interesting decisions with regard to coronavirus, uh, a major issue like this that's of major information uh, value to the public, and how voice works with that. Why don't I just start there? Tell me your thoughts on how Google. Tell me, first of all, just for people watching and listening, what has Google done with the coronavirus? Start with that. Um, and do you agree with how Google is handling um, coronavirus with re respect to Google Assistant? And just your thoughts on that. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a very interesting move. What Google did actually was to remove all actions that are corona-related, stating that they don't want to contribute to the information um, overload and perhaps also the misinformation that's being spread quite rapidly around the world. Um, so um, there, have, there have been some corona actions on Google Assistant and I think uh, overnight Google just removed everything. Later on, I also found that uh, corona-related apps are also removed from, from app stores and stuff like that. And, um, well, for me personally, it started out as a bit of a nuisance because, um, well, I founded the Dutch chapter of Women in Voice, and we thought, well, um, Google Assistant doesn't have any accurate information on the coronavirus yet. If you ask what's corona or, hey, Google, tell me about the coronavirus, it comes up with uh, information about beer and, you know, circles around the sun and stuff like that. So we thought it would be really interesting for us in a kind of a hackathon setting to create an action for Google Assistant or a snippet or something like that. And then we found we couldn't because, well, obviously we're not a party that can active, uh, activate Google Actions. We're not an official body or instance. So I thought it was really annoying then. But then I, I started to think about this and what you see in chatbot world which is, of course, comparable. Uh, you see all these chatbots kind of being created by people that are enthusiastic, that have the best intentions, but they don't really um, necessarily take into account the amount of work it takes to maintain a chatbot or to make sure that the information that you provide is actually accurate and, and is reliable. 
So in hindsight, I think it's not a very bad idea to, you know, make sure that not everybody can communicate because the more people communicate, the more risk of misunderstanding. And to be honest, right now, I'm in the middle of Corona and we've got uh, more or less a complete lockdown right now. Schools have closed. The entire public life has come to a, a hold. Restaurants are closed, stuff like that. And I mean, this is, this is real. This is serious. And this calls for serious measures. This is not the time to start experimenting with stuff and say, hey. So what we did instead uh, with Women in Voice is we thought, well, we can still make a showcase because voice in the Netherlands is still relatively unknown. Not many people have a smart speaker and um, there's not as much of a voice movement yet as there is over there with you in the States. So we thought, why don't we just, you know, build examples, give best practices and just reach out to governments or public bodies and see whether we can help them that way. So, yeah, that's that's basically where we stand now. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, as we talked about on This Week in Voice uh, um, last week, a little bit of an echo. Let me see. see. Micah, mute Micah yourself mute real yourself quick. Sure. Let me see if that solves something. As we discussed on This Week in Voice last week, yeah, that did solve the problem. So we'll we'll take turns back and forth here. Um, you know, a lot of people have responded to things like what Google has done in the past with um, complaints about freedom of speech. And... As we talked about on uh, on the show, and I also discussed this with Brett Kinsella on the VoiceBot podcast too, um, you know, normally it might be a valid concern um, that these major ecosystems, uh, these juggernauts, these behemoths uh, are clamping down on who can say what about what. Um, but in this particular circumstance, it's it, to me, it, it's it's all good. It makes a lot of sense because you look at all the money and the time and the resources that have gone into um, creating the Google Assistant itself and the Google Assistant ecosystem, much less Amazon with Alexa, Apple with Siri, Samsung with Bixby and so on. Um, they've got the right to uh, not let whoever just feels like coming along and opining about coronavirus uh, they got the right to stop them from doing that. And uh, we can have the freedom of speech conversation another day. Um, you know, I, I feel like they're entirely justified to do that. Um, furthermore, uh, as as I talked about with Brett and Pete Erickson was on that that podcast as well. Um, we We went through this with Amazon Alexa. We went through this in the first year or so of the Alexa, first year plus of the Alexa ecosystem, and some of the remnants are still there, where it was just sort of an absolute free-for-all. And anybody could create anything they wanted to, and you had people grabbing up invocation names they shouldn't have been able to get. You had people creating skills that were either phantom skills or had bad information in them. So, you know, I think we learned from that. I think Google learned from that. So I, I completely agree with you. I'm, I'm going to shift gears and I want to ask you about, so Martin Lins Fitzgerald came to Project Voice, which was in January, and he's working with Project Silver, Project Silver, that's, uh, that's about as good as I can do, Project Silver. Um, share with us what that is 
and uh, your thoughts about voice technology's role with elderly and, and senior citizens. Sure. Um, yeah, Project Zilver is, as the name indicates, a project or um, a, corporate, a corporation of different parties that take an interest in how voice technology can support the elderly. Uh, and it's really interesting to see that, well, for me personally, to be honest, I must say that my head is still completely in Corona because it's just, you know, happening real time and it's, uh, well, never mind. Project Zilver, wonderful initiative. And um, um, what you see is that they did a, a research. Uh, it wasn't a very big research, but it was a very interesting one anyway. Uh, that showed that um, uh, senior citizens or senior people are actually really willing and able to interact with voice interfaces. And I think that this is just such wonderful news because for years we've been talking about how we can make technology more accessible and more inclusive for everybody. And of course, uh, our elderly population is growing. Um, so isn't it just wonderful to, to have this new technology that is so familiar to them already? Oh, sorry about that. Um, and, and just to see that what we hope, that what we hope would happen is actually happening, that they're really willing and able to embrace this new technology. There's some wonderful initiatives that I would really like to, um, to, to, to mention just shortly. Um, um, there's this, um, he's called Jelle. Jelle has a mother with Alzheimer's disease. So she needs a lot of reassurance and a lot of familiar sounds and voices around her, especially at night, because she gets really, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, ongewust. She's like, you know, moving and restless at night. That's the word, restless. So what he did is he made a voice action with memories and he and with you know references and uh, stuff that she remembered from the early days and um, he created that voice action with his own voice so when at night she's restless she can actually talk to her son and she'll get a song or a memory or she can uh, she gets a question like oh would you like to talk about I don't know your marriage or happy days and it's just for me personally so touching and so wonderful that that we can actually help people like that in that way. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, I've got the sense I'm not alone by any stretch. I'm, I'm sure you feel this way, but I want to sort of get your thoughts on this before we we leave this topic and go go on to the third one. You know, it feels like this is the year for voice in healthcare. And I'm actually in the middle of writing a big article on this now. Um, you know, I think coronavirus uh, has really skyrocketed to the surface. The idea of voice technology um, in, a, in a public health context, but then also a personal healthcare context. And uh, it's everything from uh, contactless um, use of technology um, to where we're not, we're touching less things because we're using our voice and every less thing we touch is one less opportunity to get a disease like coronavirus uh, or anything else. Uh, it's one less opportunity to pass it on. 
Um, and from a public health care standpoint, there are already these things bubbling up to the surface. And, and you know, Alzheimer's is a great example, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff that helps um, elderly uh, and senior citizens, uh, stuff that helps people who need accessibility. Do you feel that way? Do you feel this is the year for voice in healthcare? Do you feel like it's ready for prime time? Well, for me personally, I would really hope that for the Netherlands this year will be or become the, vo the year of voice period. Because um, sometimes I, I look at what's happening in the Anglo-Saxon world and I'm a bit envious because voice is already so present uh, in everyday life and uh, adapted by not just the early adopters, but by a larger public as well. And I mean, in Holland, we've got, I think about 500 actions on Google Assistant. We don't have Alexa yet in Dutch. So for us, it's still very new, very novel, very um, interesting. But uh, for me, I hope that 2020 will be the year where we actually pick up voice technology, embrace it, and um, um, follow the pioneers like Martin, but also, for instance, Carla Verweibel, who uh, is one of the women in voice, who's doing some really, really interesting stuff in just getting people aware of what voice is, because that's still the stage where we're at. And, uh, but yeah, let's take it forward. I mean, you've paved the way, so yeah, why not? Hmm? Uh, yeah, yeah, good. Glad to hear that. Yeah, I, I hope you weren't saying I've paved the way. I haven't done anything <laughs> um, <laughs> other than talk to interesting people doing interesting things like you. But uh, yeah, I, I share your enthusiasm and, and it's, it's great to see that. And um, let me conclude. This has been fantastic. Let me conclude just by asking you. So, um, and then maybe you can play that ragtime ringtone of yours. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, sorry about that. It's just no, it's all good. I, I enjoyed that. That woke me woke me woke me up uh, even more than than you uh, enlightening me on coronavirus. Which uh, trust me, I was wide awake for that. Um, the Netherlands is a hotbed of people doing interesting things with with voice, like you and many others. Share with me a couple of folks, and you've already mentioned a couple of names. Share with me a couple of folks or efforts that you're really paying attention to, and then sort of conclude with um, what you have seen and just maybe how gratifying it's been for you to be part of the women in voice, bringing the women in voice efforts to the Netherlands and, and what it's been like to cultivate community with that. Well, um, yeah, a list of names. Well, you already mentioned Martin Lens Fitzgerald, who really is our, our voice visionary, together with Sam Warnards from Merkel. They're doing some really groundbreaking work. Um, and and um, at the moment, we're kind of holding the entire privacy, privacy kind of discussion, but they're together with the uh, DDMA, which is the digital... Oh, I'm so bad at abbreviations. Anyway, it's our uh, uh, community of marketing and um, uh, associates and stuff like that. They're doing some groundbreaking work on privacy and make sure that voice is actually being, you know, taken to the next level. Um, there's some some companies, of course, who already have wonderful voice interactions and um, uh, especially the... the uh, Oh, my Dutch is kind of failing. Uh, public broadcast, they did some really, really nice voice uh, children's stories. Uh, so we're still kind of in the snakes and ladders in the, in the, in the games, kind of, you know, the, the novel uh, approach. 
Um, let's see. Uh, who am I missing out? Probably a lot because, to be honest, I haven't prepared a list. <laughs> but what I do see is that um, an industry that I hope will pick up voice soon is indeed the manufacturing and the medical instances, uh, because I think there's a lot of opportunity for voice there as well. And that's also the thing with the women in voice community. It's I guess we kind of started before our time because there's not a lot of people already doing a lot with voice. Um, so right now we're we're definitely kind of paying attention to what's happening over at your side of the, the Atlantic and, and okay, how do we prepare for that? What do we need? Um, and obviously Dutch language recognition is one of the, the, the big factors in that as well. I mean, it would be lovely if we could just say, okay, transplant the entire Alexa ecosystem to the Netherlands when it arrives here, but that's just simply not possible. So um, yeah, we're, we're still kind of uh, grappling with those basic issues as well, at least from my perspective. And I'm, I'm quite sure that Martin will have a completely different one already. That's great. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, manufacturing and it's funny that, you know, manufacturing was one of the very first use cases of voice that I had ever heard of when we first launched the Alexa conference back in 2017. And um, companies weren't doing anything with Alexa at that time, but they were experimenting with some other voice solutions in uh, not just the authentication part. In other words, if it's not your voice, you're not touching this equipment. <laughs> but uh, also with voice, um, you can you can be at a at a greater distance. There's all sorts of other things Absolutely. in a manufacturing context that you can do with voice that are really interesting. And I think that we've seen the uh, with the adoption the, the 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 reinvention and then subsequent adoption of Google Glass mm -hmm. uh, in a manufacturing context um, yeah. that uh, the seeds are planted for voice specifically with Google Assistant. Um, in a powerful way. So, yeah, I love you bringing that up. Absolutely. Uh, and I forgot one really, really uh, important party that's really dear to my heart. Uh, fire away. I definitely would like to mention, because you mentioned Google Glass. There's this company, a small one, a startup called Envision. And uh, one of my colleagues, actually, he was an intern with Dutch Railways, where I worked as well. Jesse uh, is his name. He's visually impaired. And what they actually did is they took Google Glass, put a voice interface on it so that people with visual impairments can actually find their way around, which for me, of course, is the ultimate use case for integrated voice and vision apps. That's just marvelous. They just released it. Yeah. So is that a Dutch company? It is, yes. And vision. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah, we'll need to get their contact information. From, I'll, I'll <laughs> from get it for you straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that, that, yeah, so they're right there doing exactly what I was just saying. Someone might come along and do at some point. Um, Micah, this has been a pleasure. So I'm going to say your name one more time. Micah Hunaveha. See, Perfect. Yeah, so be it, being a guy is strike one and two, but being born in the southeastern United States, that's strike three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> for being able to say something like that. So, but uh, hey, I, I managed to get it right. Thank you for being part of this with us today, uh, being part of the Voice First Roundtable, taking the time, sharing not just your experience, but your expertise with me and the audience as well. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you for having me. <laughs> for the Voice First Roundtable, Season 2, 
episode five. Thank you for listening, watching, if you're watching on YouTube. Until next time.